This is Sarah Bordeaf, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. These are challenging times. We're all dealing with a tremendous amount that is unknown and changing daily. To aid in our industry's response, we have set up a regular virtual forum on Zoom to share insights and resources. We are calling it The Huddle. We held our first huddle yesterday, Monday, March 23rd, with a group of 85 operators led by a dozen of our Summit Series mentors, including Bill Jensen of Telluride, Joe Hessian, Mountain Creek and Big Snow, John Rice, Sierra Atajo, Chris McGinnis, Crystal Mountain, Michigan, Rich Berkeley, Aspen Skiing Company, Bill Rock, Vale Resorts, Hiram Toll, Mount Ashland, Oregon, Jay Scambio, Loon Mountain Resort, Steve Wright, Jay Peak Resort, and David Perry, Altera Mountain Company. Sam publisher Olivia Rowan and leadership coach Paul Tallner moderated the meeting. For our first conversations, leaders addressed how they are managing three topics, staff, community, and operations. Next Monday, March 30th at 2 p.m. Eastern, we will tackle marketing and communications. We will also be hosting a similar forum for our next generation leaders with a few of our Summit Series mentees and 10 under 30 stars, exploring challenges and opportunities for mid-level staff. All of these calls are open to the industry. We will turn each into a podcast in case you're unable to make it. Please email us at huddle at saminfo.com if you have any questions after listening. We'll pass it off to Sam publisher, Olivia Rowan, to start us off. All right. So um, thank you all for joining us today on our uh, first Monday huddle. Um, I'm Olivia Rowan, publisher of Sam Magazine, and I'll be your host today along with Paul Fallner, who is our leadership coach or has been for the Summit Series. Um, bear with us today as we work through our first call. Um, and, um, and I know just from um, our team kind of having conversations daily last week that this type of sharing is, is um, really needed and very helpful. So um, that was purely the premise of the call and why we pulled it together over the weekend. Um, the challenges, as we all know, um, are changing daily and they're enormous and unprecedented. Um, but learning from one another at this point and just kind of um, coming together as a community seems um, super important. In, in the interest of sharing information as quickly as we can, um, Kelly is gonna, president of NSCA, is gonna share with us an update on their advocacy efforts at the federal level. Um, so Kelly, can you stick, uh, start us off? Sure thing, uh, good morning. Um, so NSAA uh, started the advocacy work uh, on March 10th, actually, prior to the first period that had to close uh, due to COVID. We've reached out to the Congressional Ski Caucus, the Senate Finance Committee, um, Senate Appro Appropriations Committee, the Secretary, Secretary Purdue's office. Um, on Friday, we were able to work with um, a key industry partner and we were able to hand deliver a letter to the um, Secretary of the Treasury. We've also reached out to the Small Business Administration and a bunch of senators and representatives um, we couldn't have done it without the help of the state and regional associations. We jumped on a call with them last week, um, came up with a game plan, and I have to say, everybody just rose to the occasion, and uh, we've been in touch with so many 
to the point that uh, we're getting messaging that uh, they're inundated. So we've really tried to focus um, our ask down. We started with like eight different asks, and we've tried to really focus it down. Um, and currently, what we're asking for is payroll tax relief um, for both employers, employees, you know, cash in the pockets of ski areas, zero or low interest loans. Um, and then uh, we do have 122 ski areas that operate on Forest Service lands, so we're asking uh, to waive ski area permit fees um, to, pass a, to pass the Ski Fee Retention Act. So those are just a few things. Um, we'll be summarizing it uh, in our Capital Watch um, that will be coming out later this afternoon. We're going to be doing more additions, and as the relief bills go out, we're trying to summarize them for ski areas so they know exactly what they're entitled to and how it will affect them. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate that. Um, let me just go, go over a couple of the quick ground rules here to let folks know how this huddle will work. So in the interest of time, we've identified three topic areas for this first call, staff, community, and operations. Uh, we've asked our past summit series mentors to talk about what they what they are experiencing and doing and we'll introduce them as we go uh, Olivia great um, so as I said we, we've been on the phone with operators um, from around the country this past week and one of the biggest challenges and certainly their biggest priority um, has been their staff um, so our first leader to speak on the subject uh, is Joe Eschen and he operates Mountain Creek and Big Snow Joe, you and I spoke a little bit. Can you share a little bit about, um, you know, what you've done? But you know, now, now we're we're week two, three. What what are your plans, and how are you communicating with your staff? Yeah. Um, so so th first, thanks for setting this up. This is a great opportunity to share and learn from from everyone in industry. Uh, it's pretty weird doing it this way, but. Uh, exciting times, I guess. So um, first thing we uh, we did is we got our team together. So New Jersey, New York, if you if you haven't probably seen, is certainly one of the hotbeds of this whole situation. So I think uh, it hit us a little earlier than than some. I think I, when we closed Big Snow American Dream, uh, people were a little shocked that that we did that. Um, they're like, oh my god, I think they might be overreacting. Um, Lucky, luckily for us, we, we have a very strong relationship, and I think what this has taught us more than anything is networking and building relationships in your community and state probably um, is most important in time of crisis when you don't even think that then when you'll need it, right? Sometimes you're trying to get something um, from your, your state or, or politicians, and we actually had the governor of the state of New Jersey call us, uh, their office call us on Thursday, which was a week and a, over a week ago. Um, to kind of say that this was getting bad and then offered assistance financially, even though that has not come to fruition yet. So at the time, it sounded really good, like we're going to get money in two days. Since then, everything has kind of slowed down. But um, what we did right away is we, we, um, we, we at first talked about, we were communicating with our team prior saying, hey, this is something we're looking for. We might have an impact on, uh, on, on, on hours of operation. Um, unfortunately, by the time we sent the email out saying that we're going to be looking at hours of operation changes, and, and Big Snow is a little different because we have 200 year-round employees, uh, versus Mountain Creek, um, we have, you know, uh, 1,300 seasonal employees, but what happened there was we were closing for the season because of the bad weather, so we didn't really have the seasonals uh, there. So, um, so with Big Snow, we, we kind of 
told everyone our plan, which was we, um, we were going to close the doors. We found out three hours before that we had to close Big Snow. So we found out it was state driven. So three hours prior to closing, we got a call that said you have to close in three hours. So um, we had to deal with that. We, we sent out a communication to the whole team, everyone that was there on the floor. Before we sent out a communication, we, we kind of had the managers get in position. We had them all come into the room. I explained to them the situation and kind of let them know that, that we don't know what we don't know. We're in uncharted territory. And our mission statement as a company is to enhance the lives of our team guests and partners by building lasting connections. And even though right now our mission statement isn't able to do what we want it to do, which is typically providing experiences sliding on snow, we're going to use all of our resources to figure out how to, to, to help all of us through this. Um, so, so to this moment right now, we let them know we're going to do the best we could. Um, we're still paying all of the core full-time uh, management and supervisor staff at Big Snow. We have no plan of stopping that in the near future. Um, at Mountain Creek, we have uh, just about just under 100 full-time year-round employees. We've committed to them uh, to, that we're paying them as well. Uh, we made the commitment last Saturday, so over a week ago, that because of the risk and health of family and friends, we decided to have everyone work from home regardless if they have a position that they can do at home. Um, we did that over a week ago. Um, you know, we, 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 ch we had challenges with it. I was inspired by the stuff that, that Steve was doing by giving out some of the food from stuff. And we had a long conversation about, should we be giving food out to our staff? And where we were in New Jersey was just a little bit ahead of how bad it was. So we just decided that we didn't want people to come near anybody. So complete social dis uh, distancing, allow people to stay at their home. So um, we've been doing that since. We've been working from home. We've been having a team huddle ourselves uh, every day. Uh, Mountain Creek, 3 p.m., Big Snow, 3.30 p.m. Uh, we've been sending emails out every two, we uh, two days to every one of our uh, employees at, at Big Snow. Right now, my goal is to – the other thing we're struggling with is right now the continuity of unemployment. We want them to have continuity of income. Um, and right now, they're still, um, unless it's changed in the last few hours, there's still a one-week waiting period in order for you to get your benefits. So we've come up with a pretty interesting strategy where, you know, unfortunately, Big Snow, because we have 200 employees and we have literally no revenue coming in the door, we're not in an opportunity to pay people. Mountain Creek, we're a little different. We planned on the season ran ramping down. We had a seasonal staff that went away. So there we're better off. So what we're struggling with now is um, with Big Snow, we obviously can't pay everyone even though we really want to. So we have two things we're doing. One is at the moment we're putting together a one-week bonus so this is something we're still working through but we're trying to give them a bonus that was awarded the week prior to them being uh essentially laid off so that allows them to collect unemployment benefits they'll have their one week um freeze period but then they've gotten this bonus which uh was just ma magically matched their last week's pay which then in theory would have a continuity of income across now We've been kind of lobbying with our, I've had two uh, phone calls with two different Congress people, uh, congressmen and congresswomen in the state uh, for the federal government, and we've talked about trying to get rid of this waiting period. But either way, we're going to try to pay them out for that one week. Uh, we have to make that decision by Wednesday. And at the same time, we're looking at the fact that we have, you know, a, a piece of cash. And when you're, you're dealing with an indoor ski hill, um, one of the really big issues is, do I continue to keep the electricity on to cool the snow? Do I keep the glycol going? I got one guy who's probably listening on this call who's going in every day with snowcat and maintaining the equipment by himself. Um, the question becomes, 
is this going to last a month, two months, three months, six months? And at some point, we're going to have to make some harder decisions. So at the moment, our people are first and foremost. We're working with them. Our HR team has been amazing at both Mountain Creek and Big Snow. We've, uh, we've, we've reached out to them with EAP services, uh, anything they want to do to, uh, you know, if they want to talk to someone, we're available. And the biggest thing is we're making sure we're communicating to them as we learn things of, you know, most importantly, your pay is secure. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, if you're part of the big snow team and your pay is not secure because of the circumstances there, we're working with them to find continuity of income and helping them fill out the paperwork they need to get unemployment benefits. Thank you so much, Joe, for sharing that. Um, Bill Jensen, so um, you and I spoke last week. Can you share a little bit about what you're doing on the staffing front? Sure. Um, a lot of similarities to Joe. Um, our seasonal staff, we were notified uh, a week ago, Saturday night at, at six, six o'clock in the evening that uh, all ski resorts in Colorado were closed effective immediately. So um, it was a war room evening of communication to employees. Our seasonal staff, um, uh, we, it was going to require about four days for us to fully close down. So many of the seasonal staff worked. And then in addition, we paid all our seasonal staff uh, their scheduled hours up to a, an additional 40 hours um, for another week and as well paid all our end of season bonuses to the seasonal staff. In the case of our year round staff, much like Joe, uh, we're continuing to pay. We reassured them in communication that everybody would be paid uh, through April 5th. And uh, that still is uh, almost two weeks away, or two more weeks of pay. We are, um, we, we are meeting, the executive team is meeting twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays over the phone for conversation. And the conversation this morning was, um, we're anticipating it probably at least an incremental month of our business being dark. So we talked about how, um, how we uh, wanted to handle that. I think our current thinking is in two week, two week increments. But our goal, much like Joe's, is to continue to pay our, our year-round uh, staff uh, during this period. I think fortunately for the ski industry, the timing of this event in mid-March versus uh, a December, January is significant um, because at least my sense is most ski resorts have earned 80, 85, 90% in, in some cases like Joe where they were shutting down because of weather. 100% of the revenue for the year. I think the real impact is going to be on capital investment this summer. Um, we were anticipating at Telluride to spend eight to nine million dollars. Now we're thinking more like three or four to maintain our maintenance capital. Um, you know, things like buying snowcats, buying snowmobiles, um, those types of investments that uh, all of us unfortunately have to make every year. But uh, right now, you know, in Colorado and in particularly in our county, we are um, shelter in place. We are um, dark, shut down, and only essential services are running. Thanks, Bill. Um, Paul, should we take a question? There's a few in the chat space here. Um, and Kelly, maybe this is something you can answer, but 
Um, are you getting any um, thing on the uh, unemployment compensation rates? And um, there's a question here. I would like to hear more about what um, we may be hearing on unemployment compensation rates as we look at additional layoffs. Yeah, so um, what we're hearing right now is in terms of a, a carve out for the ski industry. And certainly we've asked for um, unemployment credits, uh, uh, relief of any sort. Uh, we're hearing the only carve-outs are going to be for the airline industry. Um, to phase phase three, as they're working on right now, phase two, um, which they finished up on March 18th, that summary will be in um, the Capital Watch today. There's nothing there. Uh, we might see something in three. And then they're going to start working, they're saying, as early as Wednesday on phase four. So um, to date, no, nothing. Okay. Uh, Dave Perry, are you, can you share a little bit about um, how you're handling staffing and David Perry of the Altera Mountain Company? Yeah, hi everybody and uh, thanks for getting us together and getting this, <clears throat> excuse me, this group together. So just to really, I'll, I'll try not to repeat what, what Joe and, and Bill have just said about staffing issues uh, because there's a lot of similarities to what we're doing at Altera. So, um, uh, just I'll, I'll touch on a couple of these things. The approach that you know we're taking, which I think is probably pretty similar to a lot of people, is that you know we're trying to take the best care possible of our guests, staff, and communities, and uh, during this tough time. And you know by closing, we're removing the guests from the equation, at least from, in a physical sense. Obviously, we need to all communicate with our guests and, and let them know how we're doing and where where we're at. But then we can really focus on our staff and. Uh, taking the approach of, you know, really being, uh, uh, taking great care of our people, being empathetic with their situations, uh, knowing that the uncertainty that we're all feeling right now is something that uh, we have a, a very important role in with our employees and, and, and of course the communities as an extension. So, you know, this means that uh, number one, you know, we, we have to be uh, really good on our communication. So, uh, you know, one thing we're doing in that regard as a company, we have daily calls. So we created an incident management team right away, a week and a half ago. Uh, we have daily calls at 1130 every day with all the leaders in the company so that we're sharing information just like we're sharing information on this call. Uh, so uh, we're taking a local approach with, uh, call it Altera-wide uh, coordination uh, when it comes to employees. Uh, similar to others have said, you know, we had all our seasonal folks, so obviously this was an early end to their seasonal season, and um, and we let them work through the, the hours as they needed to shut down, like Bill said, and then an additional 40 hours of pay and encourage them to head home if they uh, had a home to head to. Um, we had some employees, uh, J1 students, that were stuck. Um, they tried to get out of the country to Argentina, um, where flights were canceled and the, the country was closing its borders. And uh, we just said, "Come on in, we'll take care of you." You know, back into housing, and and uh, it's, all, it's all good. So we've we've had lots of issues like that of people wanting to travel home, unable to, and we've taken care of those folks in housing. Um, that's just one example. Um, you know, the other thing, of course, is with our year-round folks. And we have, like a lot of us, two different groups. We have uh, hourly year-round people and, and salaried year-round people. Hourly uh, often would uh, taper off at the end of the season, do transitional work or cleanup work, and then, you know, transition maybe to a different job in the summer. Um, similar to what I've heard, we've assured all of those people that through basically April 5th, uh, there's no change. Uh, 
they're being paid as usual, even if they're uh, being sent home, and we're not allowing them to work, uh, they're being paid. Uh, and we're taking that group uh, and we'll reevaluate as we get to the end of this month and, and, uh, and see when that date comes up. Uh, and with our year-round uh, salary people, we're, we're obviously paying those. And uh, those, a lot of these people, both salary and hourly, are people that we need uh, as soon as we come out of this thing. As soon as we see a daylight window and we start to, the curve starts to turn, uh, these are the people we need. Um, on our daily call on Friday, actually, Wynn Smith, who's, you know, Sugarbush and as uh, a new member of the Altera family, told a really interesting story about when he was uh, in the in one Wall Street in his Merrill Lynch days. And when they had a really significant downturn, uh, they basically stopped paying all their people. Those people all just scattered to the wind. And when it came, came time to start up again, their company was severely weakened. Uh, or other companies in Wall Street were severely weakened. So I think we don't act that way in our industry, but we have to take care of our core people. Uh, it's really, really important. Uh, a couple other things to add, and then we'll get on to some, some other things. Uh, other than information is key. You know, we've been distributing information, what to do, uh, what uh, for our employees, um, what does COVID mean, uh, where to reach out for assistance. Uh, we have incident response plans that everybody knows about, and those are pretty standard. But, you know, an example is we learned this morning uh, in our Canadian operations, both Quebec and Ontario are announcing today that all businesses are shutting down. And, uh, and so, you know, we're determining exactly what that means, but it's, it's a more severe kind of lockdown than most jurisdictions in the United States right now, but it could be a direction that we're headed. And, uh, you know, what are our business looking like? How, how essential are they? And what does that ex exactly mean? So, you know, I think we're still riding the, you know, going up a steep curve right now and learning on a daily basis. Um, and sort of that's it for now for us, but uh, we're on it on a daily basis and communicating very frequently with our employees. Thank you very much, uh, David. Absolutely. So we're going to turn to the next topic, which is community and the impacts this crisis has on our extended ski communities. Yeah. And um, so, Chris, are you still there? I am still there. Thank okay. you, Olivia. Yeah, so you and I talked about a lot of things, but community for you um, is is a big piece of where you're at and, and your importance to that community. Um, so do you want to share a little bit about your situation? Well, thank you very much. Um, and I think David, everybody really has, it's the same theme. And um, David Perry really uh, teed it up. For us, um, you know, 50% of our revenue is ski related and 50% is non-ski. Um, and actually we did a quick check and, you know, so it's, it's not, e it's not real easy for us to just send people home and say it, it, it's all, it's all over. 50% of our payroll is actually generated um, in December through March and about the same number would be June through September. So we have, you know, we have a significant year-round staff. And I think David said it so well that we know that when we come out of this, we will be better off um, somehow having that core staff still in place. Well, Olivia and I talked about it, and I'll try to reference back quickly, um, was, and I think it, it's not dissimilar from the story that Wynn Smith told. So in, 08, 9, 10, and really for Michigan, it was 09, when the economy essentially stopped. Um, 
rather than doing massive layoffs, which much of Michigan was doing, Michigan was one of the most, you know, had the highest unemployment rate along with Mississippi of anybody in the country. We knew that people didn't have any other place to work. And we are, we're the largest employer in the county and one of the largest in the region. And people were really, really panicked. And what we did, and we are hoping that we can do a similar course now, though this is even more dire. Um, and I think it's, it's similar to what other people, what other uh, organizations, companies are doing, is we cut people back on hours. We said, look, we're going to do everything we can not to lay you off. But you're going to have to make some sacrifices in terms of how many hours you're going to get. Um, and, you know, but you're still going to get a paycheck. And people were very, very generous. Generally, we cut back, we cut people back, you know, probably from 40 hours to 32. And this could be salaried staff as well as hourly. Um, but when we came out of the recession, again, we still had our core staff in place. And I would say people were incredibly grateful that we worked together, and I think everyone on this call were saying the same thing, that we worked together as a family. Another thing that we did, and I think we'll, I, it, it's different now because all businesses are shuttered. We're, we're now sheltered in place. But we were able to concession out or contract out some, uh, you know, let's say our project manager. There was a library being built and they needed a project manager. And so um, they, paid, uh, they paid us uh, his wage um, and he worked on that project for a couple of months. So that helped him and it helped our family or it, 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 helped, it helped our business. And, and the library got a, a great project manager. So those were some of the creative things that we did now. We have never, and I think everyone on this call, has never faced a complete business shutdown. So uh, again, we, we're in constant communication. Um, tomorrow we do have, again, another major staff meeting a major executive committee meeting where we will be discussing at all levels. You know, obviously seasonal is gone, but we have, a, you know, we have at least right now on payroll and we're trying to put our arms around it. We have at least 250, 300 people and we need to figure out one thing is that it's a good time to prune, you know, um, and look at where are the mediocre and perhaps low performers, and this is an opportunity to um, release them to their destiny. Um, but certainly we want to make sure that as much as we can, our core staff, whether it's hourly or salaried, that we can put in place some contingencies um, to, to keep them on the, on the payroll as long as possible. But we also have to understand how much money we have to work with. Uh, we are working with our commercial lenders um, and certainly the state and hopefully, uh, you know, federal support as we all are to try to figure out uh, how could we backstop, how can we backstop the company, uh, what are the opportunities as far as unemployment, uh, are there loans out there, the, to the, uh, the <laughs> term that we kind of like would be forgivable loans, particularly for payroll to help sustain the business. Uh, so 
those are uh, some of the pieces that we're looking at. Um, again, Olivia, I go back to you. Was there anything else from uh, your perspective that in, in your notes that you thought might be relevant to share? No, I, th I think you, you covered um, some really important ones and you, you certainly have a, a unique situation where, um, you know, that great majority of your staff are paycheck to paycheck and oh, frontline yeah. and you, you, you know, your year round situation. So um, it's definitely. We're, I think we all have that profound sense of uh, responsibility to the people that work so hard that truly are families and the community that supports us. Uh, and we all want to do our best, but we also know, and every one of us on this call knows at the end of the day, that if we don't make the right decisions and aren't sustainable, that's not so good either, you know? Yeah. So. Thank you so much, Chris. Appreciate you sharing so much. Um, Bill, we're gonna, um, Bill Rock, Senior VP and COO of Dale's Rocky Mountain Region and Park City. You certainly um, have a lot of um, communities around the resorts you run. So um, could you share a little bit about what you're doing um, on that front? Yeah, sure. I think um, it's, it, thanks. Hi, everybody. It's great to see so many familiar faces here. Um, uh, unfortunately, due to the circumstances, though. Um, yeah, the community piece has never been more clear than it is right now in terms of our importance and our engagement and how to stay continually involved in the community. And I would say even leading up to our decision to close the resorts, um, you know, we were, we were, we spent a lot of time uh, with our community trying to make that decision together because, you know, we know the economic impact, uh, we know um, uh, all the, all the, the role that we play in our communities and how important that is. And, and it was really interesting, you know, uh, as we went uh, around our process to make decisions about resorts, um, you know, we talked to the health department, we talked to politicians, we talked to state and local level. And, you know, the places where we've had good relationships um, really came through and it really reinforced the, opp the uh, opportunity that those relationships uh, represent, you know, in good times and in bad times. And so, um, I think I think um, those decisions are gut wrenching as they were for I'm sure every one of you, whether it was imposed by a local or state uh, order or you decided to do it personally uh, to do the right thing for the community at that time. And no, none of us has a crystal ball, and so there's there's a good doubt that any of those decisions were the wrong one, you know, and at, at that moment. Um, and yet, as this played out, it seems like yeah, um, skiing is. Uh, at least in the short term, is the least uh, of anybody's worries right now as our communities are struggling. And one of the biggest factors, and even even a, a decision that seems pretty straightforward, like uphill travel, right now in um, in Colorado, we've we've limited uphill travel on in our resorts. And you would think, gosh, that's that's horrible because obviously you can get out by yourself. You can you're self reliant. It's a sport we love. People can go uphill. And yet behind the scenes, our local health departments were asking us and politicians were asking us to restrict it because, you know, we had a big snowstorm in Colorado. Um, people in Denver were going to go no matter what. Uh, and and the health system is just overrun. They don't have beds. They're worried about their providers getting sick. Um, the last thing our health departments need is, you know, somebody hurt or a big crowd of people in a community that doesn't have restaurants or hotels or any means to take care of those people. So 
that's kind of uh, it's highlighted our, our collaboration with our communities. I would say that for sure. And then secondly, you know, our mindset right now is, you know, how do we help? You know, once we made that gut wrenching decision to close resorts, it's how do we help? How do we, what role do we play? How can we mobilize our expertise or our resources to make sure the community's getting what they need? And, and that's, as you all know, rapidly changing, you know, some of the needs are yet to be revealed, but mostly people know the, um, you know, food security for our seasonal staff, whether it's our staff or uh, staff of local businesses, um, capacity for quarantine locations. You know, we've been asked about that and trying to be helpful in that regard. <clears throat> Testing sites, uh, distribution sites for materials. And then finally, you know, we donated a lot of food um, to the communities that we operate in and continuing to be asked and, and are supporting requests for things like rubber gloves and masks and um, expertise with our patrollers, for instance, and we're trying to work through our communities to figure out how we can best support them there. So that's what our focus is right now is our, our staff, as, as all of you have mentioned, um, trying to support them no matter what their journey is, whether it's to leave our communities or to stay in our communities, and then really play the role that we play all year long anyway in the community is supporting the things that are most important to our um, community members and doing our doing our part to help them be successful in this. Thank you so much, Bill, uh, for sharing. And to, to something to play off what you just said, uh, a comment did come in from one of our listeners and, and they said, uh, uh, they are a ski area in PA and they were approached by their state house representative um, regarding supplies for a local hospital. Um, and this listener said it may be a suggestion for others to check with their local hospitals to see if they um, are interested in ski patrol supplies um, that may be left at the end of the season as well as unsold goggles. The ski, area in, the ski areas in PA have been told that if they're interested in donating to contact their local hospitals. Um, so just thought on the community end that that was an interesting um, thing for us to do if we do have those supplies kicking around. Yeah, I just found out this morning, for instance, that our, I was thinking of patrol for supplies, but one of our resorts building maintenance department had a, had a fair number of those N95 masks. Oh, wow. And, and so, you know, your, your building maintenance departments might have some of that equipment that or supplies that you could, you know, easily donate. And, you know, we're trying to find that balance between donating things and keeping enough on hand that if we need them, we have them too. So yeah. uh, that, that's what we're doing. Okay, great. Um, Hiram, um, you certainly um, work, uh, your, your resort's in the middle of a community and, and uh, community is important to, to Mount Ashland. Um, Hiram is the GM at Mount Ashland. Can you share a little bit about um, your situation? Okay. Yeah, so as a, as a nonprofit community ski area, you know, obviously it's not, uh, not just our employees. They, they were definitely taken care of as, as we shut down. We actually had an interesting situation where we lost, a, we had a water main break. And so we're shut down due to water kind of at the front end of, of the whole process. But, um, you know, early March, we're, we're hosting the, the state uh, high school racing championship. So we had people from all over the state. Uh, including north of us uh, near the Washington border. Uh, obviously, Washington being one of the hotspots uh, was very concerning. So we started right away um, protecting the community, if you will, by, by implementing pretty strict uh, um, sanitizing guidelines around the lodge. Um, but again, like everybody else, you know, the, com the community is made up of, you know, a, a hundred or so seasonal employees uh, who struggle to get by in this pretty expensive place to live. So 
Uh, we made sure we doubled bonuses at the end of the year. Everybody's giving away food, which makes sense because we're, uh, you know, we had just gotten a Cisco delivery a, a day before the, the shutdown. So um, all of those things in place, you know, taking care of our, our in-house community and family. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're a, a small community skier. It's about half an hour away from a population of 70,000. That's Ashland. I'm sorry, uh, Medford and 20,000 in Ashland. Um, I sit on the um, Travel Ashland Committee, which, you know, is, is responsible for bringing in uh, tourists. We're entirely a tourism-based community. We're a visitor uh, economy. Um, so we, you know, we're, we're struggling as a community right now because, you know, we've got 100 restaurants. We're, we're basically a ski town that doesn't know it's a ski town. So we have, uh, you know, a, a big reliance upon uh, bringing people in, you know, in the shoulder seasons when the Oregon Shakespeare Festival isn't running, which is about a 300,000 people every year brought into the community. So right now our focus is on, you know, how, how can we help some support, you know, through, through my working with that uh, organization, some of the local businesses, I know many of them personally, a lot of them support the mountain as a nonprofit. So uh, my, my thoughts go out next to, you know, how we're gonna keep people gainfully employed at large, you know, in this, in this uh, community. Um, but to keep people's, you know, minds off of, you know, what's going on out there, uh, we've also had the grooming fleet out grooming and keeping the slopes in good shape for people that want to come up and sled you know i have been up there pretty much every day um the shutdown was really difficult you know we've got uh, seasonal locker owners that have to come up and you know get their gear out we we put all of our patrol gear in the locker lodge so we didn't want to you know we need to strip the hill but we still have to try to allow people to come up and get their um their gear so it was a big balancing act over the last couple of of days in terms of uh, supporting the community and, you know, having a reasonable shutdown, but also having reasonable, um, you know, separation in place for our employees. Um, one of the things that we're thinking about is, you know, the, the community supports us, not just in, in donations, but in season pass sales. And you know, here we are on the very edge of our April pass sales and thinking about how, you know, how the, the impact of the community is going to affect um, those sales. So we're thinking about ways that we can extend the sale. Uh, we traditionally have done it through the through the month of April, um, and so now we're thinking about how can we how can we extend that all the way through the fall pass sale, do the financing that we've always done so that we can support the community and being able to invest the next year's season uh, with as little pain as possible. I know from my standpoint, I don't intend to make any huge purchases until this thing shakes out. So um, that's been on our mind uh, in terms of. Uh, helping out local hospitals, you know, much of our patrol is made up of uh, ER docs and, you know, people from the local healthcare community. Asante is is an amazing hospital. Uh, we do have uh, quite a supply of gloves and um, unfortunately not a lot of the NIOSH N95 masks, but we certainly would offer up any of the store of gloves that we have. In fact, when it all first started to happen, um, my patrol director was like, well, where else can we get gloves? And he happens to be a guy that likes to work on cars. And he's like, well, the local Napa store and CarQuest have got to have them. So we ordered boxes and boxes of the black ones that you might get if you were a mechanic. So yeah, our, our minds do go to, you know, how we might support that. But a lot of it really is just encouraging people to continue to use the mountain. You know, it's national forest land. They can certainly access it. Um, and again, just trying to make it uh, clear that, the ski area is closed, not the mountain itself. Um, and then, of course, getting involved in education. We, I think, for, for a small ski area, do a pretty good job of uh, 
our social media and um, you know other outreach and, and communication to the community. So we've just kind of tried to double down on that, sending out positive messages of, hey, look, this has been a great season. You know, think back to how good it was before this bad news. Uh, but unfortunately, this whole idea of bringing people up on the mountain was just uh, curtailed by uh, Governor Brown just announced that we are, are ordered to stay at home. Um, one thing that's going through my mind right now is, you know, what that means for our summer, um, summertime operations. I know we'll get into that with, with operations a little bit, but mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that everybody's pretty much got the same mindset here in terms of, you know, going from the employee piece all the way through the community piece. But yeah. um, I, I think of the long-term ramifications, you know, if, if um, people, it, it, it's a fairly expensive valley to live in. And I know that everybody pretty much shares that as a, as a destination community, um, housing is expensive, um, groceries are expensive, and so we're not immune to that, even though we're in little, you know, Ashland, Oregon, Southern Oregon. Um, so it's how, how are we going to be impacted by communities that now shrink? Like, is there going to be a mass exodus of our young talent that we require to support this um, community that's basically funded by uh, tourism. You know, I, I have friends who are raft guides and uh, tour operators who are really, you know, they're starting to already see um, people canceling. So my mind starts to go to, well, what is the messaging gonna be for summer tourism and, and trying to bring people in through Travel Ashland to make sure that the economy, you know, here uh, can kind of rebound from this. And my goodness, who, who knows when that, that effort might even be able to be started. We're not yeah. sure how long this whole thing's going to go on. And that's certainly the hard part about this is it, it changes weekly. And so the, the answers are, are hard to find. And so thank you so much, Hiram, for sharing. Um, we're going to jump to our final topic of uh, operations. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, a tough time, obviously, with the sudden stop of our seasons. Um, many unexpected um, impacts and in, in that sudden closure um, for resort operators. So, you know, after dealing with sort of the sudden stop and shutting down quickly and trying to keep people safe, now you're trying to, you know, figure out um, your operations going forward. We had a question come in about are there any creative ways that you're getting some of the maintenance done while keeping staff, staff safe? Um, and so, um, Steve, let's start with you, uh, Steve Wright, uh, GM at JPEAK, if you have some thoughts on operations, and you certainly have a big summer business there. Yeah, I mean, we have, you know, only 15 or 18 percent of our total top line revenue is attributable to, um, to list tickets themselves. So, we, you know, we really see a lot of um, top line driven between um, May and November. Uh, between you know fifty or sixty thousand water park visits, um, you know a dozen or so um, ice hockey tournaments, probably a dozen soccer and lacrosse tournaments, um, you know a, a bunch of food and beverage. We have seventy weddings on the books right now, and I've spoken to each one of uh, seventy brides at this point who are all um, you know in a state of panic as well. Uh, a bunch of conference business. Um, so there's a bunch of, bunch of pieces of business that are still to come. Um, and we're trying to figure out a way, uh, to still prepare for that, but still be as lean as possible. I mean, we announced our close, uh, last, uh, Friday afternoon. I mean, it feels like, 
in many ways it feels like it was a million years ago, but it was, uh, you know, last Friday afternoon we announced that we, uh, we got down from, you know, 1,300 employees <clears throat> on payroll to, you know, there are four or five people that are left at this point. We've got 350 or so year-round employees um, who we're continuing to make whole at this point and will uh, for the foreseeable future. But, you know, this thing, this, we, you know, we all may have uh, shut the lights off quickly, but they're not going to come on at that same rate, right? They're going to, we're going to trickle back. Um, so we're trying to figure out how do you get a golf course open that literally takes, you know, between two and three or four weeks um, and where you don't invest too much on the front end uh, because you don't know when the opening date in the back end will be. You know, it's the same thing with trying to get 70 or 80 new lifeguards onboarded uh, trained, certified, ready to go when you don't yet know what your return date is for um, for things like that. So we, we're taking a longer approach. Honestly, we're working together um, a bunch of worst case scenarios right now. And those worst case scenarios are starting to creep backwards into more likely scenarios like wiping out all of our revenue for April, um, wiping out all of our revenue for May and trying to figure out a way to manage payroll and expenses in a way that um, we lose as little as possible. I think a lot of Eastern resorts who, who, uh, who don't have a lot of May and June revenue are doing these same exercises and they're realizing pretty quickly uh, that the notion of having to offboard your staff and to trim expenses and payroll, you will likely lose less money in May and June than had you, uh, than had you been open. Um, I think that, that, that there are many resorts that are starting to figure that out. So the business models going forward for some of those folks may be changed. Um, you know, but operationally for us at this point, like I said, it's, it's a matter of um, how do we continue to calm those audiences of conference planners and uh, grooms and, and brides-to-be, uh, try to push them further into the summer and fall if they're able to reschedule that, um, and, and while at the same time, making sure that you're not so heavy on staff uh, when you do start to creep back open that your balance sheet doesn't work. Thank you, I appreciate you sharing, Steve. Um, can we jump to Rich Berkeley, um, of, um, as Senior VP of Business Strategy and Development at Aspen Skiing Company. Can you share a little bit about what you guys are doing on the operations front? Yeah, um, the one thing I would mention for employees that I didn't hear was we are waiving all of our employee housing rent for the month of April at least, and possibly through the fiscal, which would be June 1st. <clears throat> so, um, that's a real quick thing that you can do. Um, we also then have given the county um, our, a facility for EMT services, so their, their incident management team is using one of our restaurants um, on that line. The, uh, and then we still are open, believe it or not. And it's been this uh, kind of, a, I call it a slow drip from the governor's office um, that Bill alluded to where um, every morning you wake up and there's a new restriction on something. So the latest one then was in Pickham County, we went from no gatherings of 250 to 100 to 50. Now we're at 10 and I'm sure we'll be probably inside um, in our house, um, quarantine our houses soon. Um, we are still not um, restricted to self-isolation yet. So we're still on that, but I anticipate that we're moving in that direction. Um, what we're doing, um, we're still providing as much as we can for the community in the sense of uh, allowing uphilling if it's still going on. Um, Bill has a very different situation over in Vail with 
volume that they were dealing with. I know Sunlight just canceled it today because they were um, seeing several hundred people in their parking lots and on their decks um, at, the, at the resort up near Glenwood, and that is um, uh, in violation of Garfield County's restrictions. Um, and then I live at the base of Independence Pass, and um, I would say that there's several hundred to a thousand people up there right now skiing because we have had really good snow um, for the week, of course, the week that we're shut down. Um, and then summer um, and recovery, and we're eight days into this, and I think whoever said the worst case seems to be coming uh, to fruition is exactly correct. So every time we think it can't get worse, um, it does, and we have pretty much written off everything for the rest of this year. So we don't anticipate a single dollar in revenue before our fiscal year, which is June 1st, um, with the exception of the one hotel that we have open, which is the Limelight Aspen. Um, Blaine County, which is in Idaho, where we have another hotel, is shut down, and I think we are shut down in snow mass as well. Then we have a recovery team um, and we, we do a daily update with the county and the hospital. And I think everyone's concerned, the two things are creating an incident on a mountain for first responders and then overwhelming the hospital. And, and so far we uh, haven't seen that in Picking County. So, but we did free up all of um, those of us that carry medical licenses. We're on call with the hospital should that change. Um, but so far we've been, dodging the bullet as far as crowding in our hospital from, uh, cases. And we are now getting the big summer cancellations. So as of about an hour and a half ago, American Express canceled the Food and Wine Classic in Aspen, which has been, I think it would have been its 35th or 40th, somewhere in that genre. We anticipate that the Aspen Institute Ideas Festival will cancel um, in the next two weeks. So the recovery for the community is going to be extremely challenging. Um, and we're doing everything that you guys are doing as far as employees, um, but how long can we do that? That will remain to be seen. Um, and we do want to be ready to go when the time comes to start back up, but that's looking like it's going to be a, a multi-year kind of recovery versus a multi-month recovery. Thank you, Rich, for sharing from your part of the world. Um, Jay Scambio, uh, Loon Mountain GM, part of the Boyne Resort Network. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you're trying to keep things operationally functional or not, or any plans coming up on that front? Yeah, I sure can. <clears throat> well, we're, we're uh, like everyone else on the call, um, came to a screeching halt um, somewhere around, uh, it seems like two, two, three weeks, a month ago now, but uh, this past Sunday, and um, really had to look at it from the perspective of, how many people did we absolutely need here? And we, we basically all went home. Um, I'm actually at my house today with my kids. Um, but everybody was off, off property, um, with the exception of a handful of food and beverage folks to, um, gather perishable foods and get them to one central location to then be either, um, divvied out to local community members or team members that might be in need of food at the time. Um, all that's kind of, been dispersed, which is fantastic. We don't have to have it rotting away um, like that, uh, but also being cognizant of trying to keep distance between each other and um, have as few people together as possible. So um, everyone was home last week who didn't need to be there in, in some um, what we'll call critical or essential job duty, um, mainly over the weekend, especially it just was um, security team on, on resort to make sure nothing was being Kind of broken into. Um, we did kind of have to change gears a little bit with what we were doing this week. Um, the initial plan was just to have our food and beverage 
teams and very small pods uh, on property and um, splitting their week to try and give everybody a a couple hours, our full-time year-round staff, a couple hours here and there um, in in our lodging property uh, locations to, um, to clean up, take care of food, um, take care of carpets and make sure, you know, the place is clean and not going to grow anything, uh, anything that we don't want there. Um, and then also empty their inventories in their, in their freezers. We have two, um, two cafeterias on Hill that we needed to get down. So that was our initial plan. And this weekend, um, I think Richard might've mentioned, mentioned it. Um, we just saw how many people are coming to the resort and had to change a little bit of our plan with starting to get some of our stuff off Hill, mainly our, our terrain park stuff. We've got quite a few park areas open and we just, we just left everything and that, that can't continue um, from a risk standpoint. So we got a very small team in taking care of that stuff. And then you go, you start to start to think about the long-term effect here and everybody's been talking about it. Everybody's been talking about their, their teams and what they're doing for them. And it's, it's all fantastic. A lot of it is, is what we're doing too. Um, making sure that our full-time year on staff is, is as insulated as possible. Um, sharing some of the burden of, of what is coming and thinking about, um, thinking about what, what spring is going to be, if there's going to be one at all. Um, we, we, we do have quite the summer, uh, offering for people. We do about 25 to 30 weddings a summer as well. First one's coming up, uh, first three or the end of May and most likely those will be canceled. Um, but, but we'll see where that goes. I I'm hopeful, but the outlook doesn't look too good. So as we start to think about our full-time staff, especially from the operations standpoint, um, how we're going to, how we're going to shorten hours and how people are going to be able to work. And, um, as I said to my team and in, in one of my letters to them, um, our job's not to, not to neglect Loon at this point in time, but to make sure it's safe, uh, make sure the assets are secure and kind of be idle for a little bit, be home. Whoever's working from home can be, and, and they are, which is fantastic. And then we're looking forward towards, towards summer and what that might be. Um, capital wise, uh, same boat. We are, we're currently reevaluating all of that. And I, I imagine our summer will be um, very lean in that department. We had a lot planned, um, but it's more important to keep our, our ship going and to hold on to all the A players that we have. Um, all of the full-time year-round staff is, is critical for when we do get going again. Um, and that'll hopefully be, hopefully be June, um, but we shall see. So that's, that's what's going on on our end. Um, it's John, John Rice. Good. Yeah. Hey, so, you know, on the operations end, we've had a few questions about, is there anything that you can do on the maintenance end, any things that people are getting creative with? Maybe you've thought of through some things that they can do that is safe for them to work on and to keep them employed, keep them working on things. Have you discovered any of those? Yeah, well, we've had some challenges. Uh, First of all, I really appreciate this opportunity to hear everyone. And uh, it reminds me why we chose this industry. It's made of great people. And when we're faced with adversity, we come together. And even though we compete, we share. So uh, I I just thanks everyone for their comments today. I don't have a lot to offer to everything that's been said as we're doing a lot of the same things. We have some different challenges here. Um, We had our shelter in place order coming, I kind of had a heads up. I, I, I'm on a daily call with the EMS being on the, our local fire board. 
I was able to kind of get a no BS call every day at 4.30 from the hospitals, fire, police, to hear exactly what's going on, how many cases, what they're doing, what's coming. So I've been able to share the truth with our employees and telling them spend less time on you know, watching the news and a little more dealing with the facts and what you can do. Um, at the resort, we huddled quickly like everyone and, and had to make some quick decisions operationally. We essentially went out, we had seven train parks in all their glory and we had to sort of level out all the takeoffs and, and take the edges off everything because we knew we were going to get a lot of foot traffic. Uh, we also, at that time, we got seven feet of snow right when this started. <laughs> After having, first of all, no snow for the month of February, we get seven feet of snow right when we start to shut down. Um, our power's been out for a week now and um, with no ETA on that. So that's been fun. And then, of course, we heard about the asteroid that was going to hit the, the Earth. And then we had two earthquakes the last two days. So. <laughs> oh and then somebody said, hey, John, I think there's a bear in the front seat of your car right now ripping <laughs> your console open. So trying to think of what other natural disasters could come our way. But uh, trying to focus on same kind of thing, people first, assets, looking at the assets, and then continuing operations, sort of put in those three buckets. On the people side, certainly, uh, as I looked around the room just with my senior team, I realized that everyone in that room has something at home, whether it's family, married to the principal of the school, wife's a nurse, um, caring for elder parents at home. Everyone had major issues, and I could just see it in their faces that it was hard to get everyone's attention when we first started talking. Uh, so we kind of focused on take care of self first, go home, take care of your family, yourself, Whatever you need there, let us know. Uh, and then the larger circle, your work will, will be here for you. So these last few days off, uh, it was crazy. <laughs> it, as everyone has said, it all hit Friday kind of, and here we are. You know, it's Monday morning, here we are. And um, for me, just get, making sure that people are right first and whatever time they need, whatever resources they need. On the asset side, we have uh, a skeleton crew basically running around keeping logs of security on the hill, checking our buildings, fueling the generators, doing the things they need to do to just keep the place uh, you know, from falling apart during this time of uncertainty. On the mountainside, um, we did get a few uphillers. We did get a few snowmobiles come in. Nothing like I heard around Tahoe. There were some other resorts that just got crushed with the weekend crowd. Um, a lot of the Bay Area Sacramento people headed to the mountains thinking this is, would be a place of where they could get away from their own communities and their, their own shelter in place orders down there. There was a little bit of a pushback from the community of, uh, of telling people to stay home. You know, don't come up here. We don't want you here. Uh, the casinos finally, when they finally were closed by the governor, that helped take a little of the pressure off, but a lot of looky loose coming up. So we're trying to have active down at the gate, have a person there to talk to guests as they're coming in to explain that we're not open for walking around and sledding and making a snowman and that kind of stuff, just trying to explain to them the facts and why. And um, that's been helpful to have an active rather than just a sign. We do have deliveries coming in. We do have people picking things up. And so we've got phone numbers out to the, to those folks to call ahead and we'll meet you and make sure we minimize contact, those types of things. Did, did pretty much what everyone said about, we gave whatever food we had to our employees and then the rest of it purposed into town. I have four cases of, uh, of the N95 masks that we had ordered in anticipation of this that we're not going to need. So I'm going to try to get those to our local hospital and, and work with those folks. Um, but as far as 
is there a chance we could reopen? We, we still keep that out there. We know it's not likely, but we are continuing to keep a snowcat on the mountain, uh, keeping whatever trails we need open, not encouraging anyone to come up and play at this time. Even though it's public land, we are, uh, we're not encouraging uphill at this time at all. Uh, we're not arresting anyone, but we are not um, inviting them up because we want to maintain you know, what we have and not worry about it a little concerned about vandalism and those kind of things could happen as people get a little more uh, nervous. Uh, communication is the key. I think in tough times, you know, people look to leaders and they want to see. So I, I'm telling my key leaders that take care of yourself first, get your family right, then you can come and participate. Today there's six of us here at the mountain and uh, that's it. You know, we've have other people working from home um, and we do our daily meetings as well. Now, socially, we may use Zoom. I kind of like this. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, but we were using sort of, uh, you know, different ways of having conference calls. On the wedding side, we do have 25 weddings booked. We had an interesting conversation the other day about potentially live streaming. Uh, our local church is live streaming church services. And I thought, you know, there's not a lot of money to be made in it. But if you could if you could offer the people could come here, they could get married. You could show the beautiful scenery and uh, live stream. So grandma doesn't have to come and they can all the money they save. They could people hopefully could send them a check and help them start their life. But um, social and online uh, rooms have been, at least for the kids have been a way they've been staying connected, playing games and, and doing different things there. So encouraging that there's a lot of questions. Um, we're trying to be honest about the answers we don't have, not trying to make, answers for every question and saying we don't know but we'll work on that um, we did encourage everyone to go get unemployment our governor waived the one week uh, restriction so that was good to get everybody to at least have some money coming in and we're analyzing our cash flow now and looking at what our future is going to look like but um, uh, as an industry you know we, we face some pretty crazy things I can think of in the years I've been in it but um, we're an adaptable group and I think a lot of people, when this crisis is over, are going to head right to the mountains for healing. And we're the place that has to, we have to be ready to go. We can't be frozen up. We've got to be ready to open the doors. And that's, this is where people are going to want to come. So um, we're telling them, don't come now. But when, you know, when we get past this and get to the other side of this, we, uh, we need to be ready to serve. So. Thank you, John. Great, great way to end that conversation yeah. with, the, with the looking forward to when we will be ready for the pent-up demand. And thanks uh, to uh, Paul Talner and from High Peace Group for helping uh, with the planning and facilitation of this. Um, you know, uh, we didn't think that we would have this call and find all the answers, and we just knew that we needed to kind of share what each other and what we're doing in our um, at our different resorts and communities, and and um, just the sharing is the first step, and maybe learning a few things that we can apply. Um, you know, and learn from each other. Um, but certainly none of us have the answers. It's just moving too fast and changing daily. Um, so it's hard not to listen and just feel like you want to curl up in the corner of your office, um, you know, with a bottle of vodka or whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a very profound time. Um, but I did get a little bit um, that I just want to read from you from a um, uh, Someone from our industry who served in many roles for a long, long time um, is now retired, but had some good advice for us. Um, he said, always leave some room within yourself. What I meant 
or what I mean is be aware of your emotional self and stress level, no matter how serious a crisis may be, you must leave room in yourself for the next thing that may happen that you can't see coming. So be aware as you reach max and do what you need to do to create that room for the next thing and your ability to perform. Delegate some things, exercise, reach out for help, whatever. I know it's simplistic and easier said than done, but by being aware of this and monitoring where you are emotionally and stress-wise, it can help you manage yourself to manage the events that can tend to overwhelm you. Um, I think it's okay to share that was from Blaze Carrick, who is happily retired and on a, a farm with animals, but um, he's been through a, a few, uh, weathered a few crises in his day, so that was his, his advice for us. Um, so thank you all. Thank you to Bill Jensen, Bill Rock, Jay Scambio, Rich Berkeley, Joe Hessian, Steve Wright, Dave Perry, John Rice, Hiram Chow, and Chris McGinnis um, for sharing today and for all those that um, have been quietly listening to Kelly Pollock for sharing with us at the start of the hour and, um, and yeah, yeah, share with us afterwards if you have any um, questions or ideas for our next call. Thanks again, everybody, and be well. Thank you for taking the time to listen to episode one of The Huddle. We will do these calls for as long as they make sense. If you have a topic or question after listening to this episode, please email huddle at saminfo.com. You can also email me directly at sarah at saminfo.com. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSAM advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Winter Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Bordeaux, and thank you for listening to PodSAM.